Good morning, I'm Jake Sherman, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchball News. It is Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines for the day. Number one, a big House Judiciary meeting. Number two, McConnell and Cornyn on guns. And number three, a conversation with Christian Hall about this month's canvas. Let's get into it. Number one, the House Judiciary Committee will hold a hearing today on a uh, gun package. This is an emergency emergency hearing following the shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde, Texas. Uh this comes after another horrific incident in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Four people were murdered by a gunman in a medical building connected to St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa. The gunman reportedly killed himself as police arrived. Now, the Judiciary Committee is marking up the Protect Our Kids Act. Uh, this is a a kind of an omnibus package of a bunch of different bills that the leadership is either going to take up together or separately. Speaker Nancy Pelosi also promised Wednesday to have a hearing uh and markup of the assault weapons ban. Now, the assault weapons ban is not going to go anywhere in, in the Senate, but this is something that the uh, that gun control groups have have uh, uh, pined for for a long time since it was allowed to expire in the Bush administration. Now, uh, this is the most sweeping set of gun control bills probably in um, probably decades. Uh, although they won't overcome a Senate filibuster. Um, in the, in the markup today include bills that would ban, bar the sale of semi-automatic rifles to anyone under 21, ban high-capacity ammunition magazines, prohibit the sales of ghost gun kits without a background check or serial numbers stamped on the parts used, boost penalties for illegal straw purchases of guns, and require gun owners to store their weapons safely, especially when minors are present. Now, the, the committee has to finish up this proposal, this, uh, this markup today, because uh, they want to bring this to the floor tomorrow, or sorry, next week, excuse me. Um, we have a pretty good, pretty fulsome rundown in the newsletter this morning. You should subscribe at Punchable News, obviously, if you don't. Number two story of the day. McConnell and Cornyn gave some more details on gun control. That is Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senator John Cornyn, who represents Texas and has been deputized to talk to Democrats about a gun control package. Uh, so the Senate bipartisan group met yesterday and Susan Collins had a statement that she gave us last night that said we're making rapid progress toward a common sense package that could garner support from both Republicans and Democrats. Rapid pack progress. That is not something you hear, especially from a senator involved uh, on a gun on a, a thorny in the middle of a thorny legislative negotiation. So let me we want to bring your attention to two different things this morning: John Cornyn's remarks and Mitch McConnell's remarks. John Cornyn said um, that he wants to make it difficult for people who are mentally ill or criminals to have guns. That's red flag provisions. So it seems as if. Republicans are getting more comfortable with red flag provisions. And Mitch McConnell said uh, that there are two broad categories Congress needs to address, mental illness and school safety. What he seems to be saying there, and he also added, by the way, that this has to um, uh, line up and be simpatico with the Constitution. So that would indicate to us that he's talking about due process provisions in any red flag package or or law these are if you are somebody who wants a package to get through a bipartisan package to get through these are hopeful comments um, uh, Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal are putting together the 
red flag language and they are both they have a package that they both consider to have strong due process protections so we'll have to see we'll have to see where this ends up we should know more uh, in the coming days especially next week when the senate and house are back in session and number three, now our conversation with Christian Hall about this month's Canvas Capitol Hill, our anonymous survey conducted with the Locust Street Group of Senior Capitol Hill Aides. Okay, Christian, uh, thanks for joining me. Let's talk about the implications of that Roe v. Wade leak. Uh, obviously shook the political environment, and people are increasingly focused on it on Capitol Hill. The, our poll shows that that abortion legislation is not going to get passed through the Congress Uh, this year. But I want to talk to you first about the political implications. Tell us what let's talk about and and tell us what our poll, (laughs) what our poll, uh, what our what the campus shows this month. Well, a majority of senior staffers that we polled believe that the leak would help Democrats. And a large number of staffers also believe that it would hurt Republicans. I think when you take a look at the numbers, 94% of Democrats said that it would help them. And I think it makes sense. You know, Democrats are really in a tough position right now. Voters are concerned about the state of the economy, the increased cost of living, crime, and just the general dysfunction in Washington. I think that the party needed something to turn that around. Um, And I think a majority of our staffers would agree that this is probably it. Um, It somewhat takes the attention off of Democrats in their record and places it back on Republicans. Yeah, I think I think also the the uncertainty um, of what the row of what reversing row would mean uh, freaks Republicans out. I've had countless conversations with Republican aides who say um, who have been um, worried about the implications of banning abortion in the case of rape or incest in certain states and whether that would uh, turn off these key kind of suburban voters, which the Republicans have needed traditionally to win uh, majorities. I think I think that that and that's been trumpeted from the top levels of the Republican Party in in recent uh, weeks since that leak came out. Absolutely. I mean, I think Democrats in many ways were very desperate to find something to deliver to voters. And, you know, this just might be it. Number two, Christian, uh, let's talk about uh, one more very fascinating topic, I think, in in the canvas this month with the with the rise of progressives in Congress. There seems to be a a recognition, a a steady recognition that we have um, we have found um, I would say, Christian, you follow this much more closely than I do, or you probably have it in your head more than I do. But our poll consistently shows that senior staffers believe and their bosses believe that that their party should follow a moderate rather than a progressive strategy um, heading into the midterm elections. Yeah. um, I mean, I thought it was particularly interesting to see that 66 percent of senior staffers who were Democrats believe that Dems should follow the more moderate wings of the party. Um, It was really interesting to me in light of the performance of progressives just a few weeks ago in the primaries. I mean, in Kentucky, you had Democrat Charles Booker win the party's nomination for U.S. Senate when just two years ago, um, Amy McGrath, who was more of a centrist, um, won 
that primary um, and was backed by Democratic Party officials and donors. In Pennsylvania, you had John Fetterman, who beat Representative Connor Lamb by a pretty large margin. Um, And also you had Summer Lee in the 12th Congressional District, who was endorsed by AOC, Bernie Sanders, um, beat Steve Irwin, who had also been backed by the Democratic establishment. So I thought that in light of the performance of progressives just a few weeks ago, these numbers were really interesting. Yeah, I, I thought one other thing was interesting too, Christian, moderate Democrats in the Senate, well, in the Senate among senior aides, people believe increasingly that moderate Democrats are the are the kind of the pocket of, of Democrats that the party should follow, up 16% month over month to 55% of, of moderate, of senior aides in the Senate say that. Uh, I thought that was interesting, especially kind of with the um, the progressive versus moderate um wrestling match i say i would say um uh, uh in in the senate i thought that was that was particularly interesting now let's talk about something that um you know i was fascinated by we put this in the monday morning edition um most 82 percent of senior of senior democratic aides believe hakeem jeffries will be the next uh, democratic leader after nancy pelosi and then Catherine clark and then Jim Clyburn, and then Adam Schiff, and then Steny Hoyer, with just 3% of the senior Democratic vote, so to speak. Uh, There's a lot. And then, by the way, Pramila Jayapal has a big, fat 0%. She's the leader of the Progressive Caucus, someone who has leadership ambitions. Um, I found this to be particularly interesting. Absolutely. I mean... Steny Hoyer, who's the House Majority Leader, is officially behind Nancy Pelosi for that spot. And to say that he was at the bottom was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think a lot is interesting here. Um, listen, this is, a, this is a poll of people who, are, who have their boss's ear. So there's something to be said about this. But what was interesting to me is Jim, Cl- like Hakeem Jeffries is by as far and away the leader, eighty-two uh, percent. The next Democrat was Catherine Clark at six percent of Democrats, eight percent of House Democrats. Clyburn has zero percent of House Democrats, four percent overall. So that's uh, Senate Democrats, obviously taking uh, uh, Clyburn up a little bit. But a couple things that are interesting here: um, Jim Clyburn is obviously far older and far more senior than Hakeem Jeffries. Um, and people don't think he's going to be, and people think Jeffries over Clyburn, two members of the CBC. Um, there's always this debate, as you and I and Max and, and Brez talk about, about whether Clyburn will let anybody jump him uh, in becoming the, the, next speak, the next Democratic leader. I just found this to be fascinating, uh, that this is just such an, a lopsided result. Yeah, well, and also I thought it was really interesting that the three most likely people to serve as House Democratic leader amongst senior staffers in the poll, um, they are either minorities or women. I yeah, think that's a very pretty, that's a very good point. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's representative of where the Democratic Party is trying to move um, forward. Yeah, I, I, I also thought um, that's a really interesting point. After those three folks, though, is Adam Schiff, 
uh, obviously a white man um, uh, from California who is only recently, as we've reported in Punchbowl News, has made his intentions to seek a leadership spot a little bit clearer. Um, but this kind of follows all of our reporting so far that Hakeem Jeffries is, is at least, um, if not in the driver's seat, in, in a, a position of, of relative power in the Democratic caucus in becoming the next Democratic leader. Yeah. All right, Christian, uh, people should email you. I'm going to do something that, you, that uh, I do on the podcast and the newsletter all the time, but please email me at jake at punchbowl.news or christian at christian at punchbowl.news. Um, if you feel like you want to be a part of the canvas, we have a screening process that this is something we do with the Locust Street Group. We're really excited about it. It's a ton of fun. Um, really interesting data comes out of it. Let your voice be heard if you're a senior staffer on Capitol Hill or if you want to join the K Street uh, uh, canvas, we are excited to do this. And Christian, thanks for joining me. And uh, we will talk, yeah. well, we will talk sooner than next month, but you will be on the podcast again <laughs> next month. And with that, leave us a rating and review. You could subscribe to Punchable News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.